0: All right, Central Family. How many of you love uh house renovation shows? I'm talking about like fixer upper, desert flippers, flipper flop, property brothers, right? All that all the guys are like, no man, no, 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 no. Uh, we love these shows, Lori and I love watching them, but um, you know it always takes me back to the very first house we ever bought. We saved up our money, we, we finally had enough for a down payment, and we bought a house that was built in 1915, because <laughs> we were idiots. <laughs> and we, were, we had a dream. Right, the dream was we were going to restore this house to its former glory. We were going to bring it back, you know, and it needed a ton of work, but it was all we could afford. We were excited, right? So we moved in, and over the next year and a half to two years, we remodeled and worked on this house. Most of it DIY, as much as we could. Uh, Like it had old knob and tube electrical work, but thank God my brother-in-law was an electrician. Come on, somebody. So every Saturday, I'm climbing around in the attic, you know, we're running wire, we're doing all the things. We had to move sheetrock, we redid the floors, we redid the porch, we did the lawn, we laid brick leading up to the house. At one point, we were taking out the popcorn texture in the ceiling, you know, from the 70s or whatever. And uh, in the midst of that, we realized that the ceilings were just like faux ceilings. The actual ceilings were several feet above them and they just sort of dropped these down and put the pot. So we ripped all that out. We had to put new ceilings in the whole. I mean, it just was crazy town. And I remember about halfway through this whole project, (laughs) when we got the news that the foundation was failing we're gonna to have to have all this foundation work, support work done. Uh, Which, by the way, uh, the foundation support work was done in the basement, and it was a basement that was unfinished. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those really old homes with an unfinished basement, but it was seriously like a serial killer basement, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, like you open up a door, and there's like wooden, creaky steps, and you go down, and there's dust in the air, because there's no concrete or anything. It's just all dug out, but it's just dust. You're like, this is where the bodies are, you know, and you go down, and you just pull the little Lever and the one light bulb comes on, you know that's swinging. Seriously, it's right out of like a Stephen King novel or something. You know? And <laughs> Lori, went, Lori only went down there like once, so I could always do whatever I wanted down there. She never knew. No, okay. Um, <laughs> but I got the news that we had to get this all this work done to support the foundation, and I just remember sitting there and I was so discouraged. We didn't have the money to get this done. We were in over our heads. This had taken way longer than we ever thought it would take, right? It had cost way more than we ever thought it was going to cost. And I just remember sitting there. I just wanted to quit. I wanted to give up. I wanted to get out of it. I didn't know how to move forward. We had a dream, but then the dream came up against this thing called life. And I just flat lost the will to keep going and doing the project. I was done. And I don't doubt that some of you are in a place right now where that's how you feel about your own dreams because that's what life does to us. You know, we start out with dreams and ambitions, and maybe they're career-oriented or family-oriented or faith-oriented, things that we believe God is calling us to do, things that, that we're to accomplish in our life, but then life creeps in, reality creeps in. I mean, maybe you're adulting as a young adult right now, and you're so excited, you thought things were going to be a certain way, and then you get out, and you start facing this thing called rent every month, and, and then you start facing insurance payments and bills and all the things, and man, you had all these dreams, and now you're just trying to get to next month. You know, you're just trying to keep everything at bay just to keep it going, right? Or then, you know, you you eventually have kids, and man, I love kids, and, and, and I know you love your kids, but there's no manual that comes for how you're supposed to deal with some of these situations, right? Like, It's exhausting trying to navigate kids, and I I knew a lot more about parenting before I had kids. Can anybody feel me here? Before I had kids, man, I had it all figured out, right? Then then I had kids, and now I'm just a fellow struggler. You know, I'm just down in there like, I don't know, man, you need to pray about that. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Maybe God will give you some revelation. I'm just trying to hang on myself. And in the midst of that, you just feel overwhelmed and exhausted. You thought your family would be one way and it's turned out to be another way. And in the midst of that, you feel overwhelmed and exhausted. And I wanna encourage you today to not let your dreams die. I wanna encourage you, if God has put some things in your heart for him, for your future, for your family, to not let your dreams die. Because here's what I believe when it comes to dreams. When you stop trying, you start dying. And I think God wants to stir our hearts as we go into a new year and a new decade to say, don't bury all your dreams. Let him stir some of those dreams back up in our lives and let's rise up and go after them in faith, and our inspiration for that today is a guy named Nehemiah. Last week, we looked at the life of Ezra. I encourage you to check that out online, and we jumped into this series called Rise Up based on my wife Lori's uh, latest book called Rise Up. Um, lessons from Ezra on walking with your head held high, which by the way is I think my favorite resource she's ever done. It's so well put together and uh, I want to encourage you to grab a copy. You can also go to theriseupbook.com and she's done some free videos that are available there, like little 10 minute videos. So you can go through this book. It's made to be kind of gone through as a study. You could do it with yourself, with a friend. You can do it in a group setting. Uh, If you're in a group, Uh, if you're not in a group, you can start your own group, You know, whatever you want to do to just kick the year off going in the right spiritual direction. All the proceeds go to support the ministry. It's a powerful tool to just help us grow spiritually. So after our service is over, if you want to grab a copy of Rise Up, make sure to do that. Well, Nehemiah is a contemporary of Ezra. And let me just sort of set the scene. Nehemiah lives in... Um, what was Babylon, he's, he's been exiled from Jerusalem when the city was conquered, and we talked about this in depth last week. All the Israelites were taken hundreds of miles away into captivity in Babylon. That's where Nehemiah is, and he's uh, got an interesting role because he's the cupbearer to the king. the cupbearer of the king means he basically selected and tested the wine before the king drank it to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Come on, man. Can you imagine if that was your job? Like, you don't have to ask how your day was. You're still alive when you get home. You know, it's like, oh, guess it was a good day. You're still breathing. I mean, it's a dangerous role, it's a risky role, but it's also, a, it was a very trusted role. You, you don't just put anybody in that role, right? You know, and so it was very trusted. So he goes in and he's just gotten a status report a few months ago about Jerusalem, that the city's still in ruins, that the walls around the city have collapsed, and he really has a dream to go back and rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. They've already gone back in one group, Zerubbabel led them, and they rebuilt the temple. Then they went back in another group, we looked at that last week, Ezra led them, and they reestablished worship at the temple. But the walls around the city are still in ruins, the city has been you know, destroyed, and it still needs a lot of work. And so here's what happens. Nehemiah chapter two, beginning in verse two. I'll read this when we get to the red word. If you'll just read it out loud here together with me. It says, Nehemiah says, so the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in what? Ruins. It's in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Listen, you may have a dream, and the dream may be in ruins. Nehemiah had a dream, and it was in ruins. But ruins are precisely the place where God can rise up and do a tremendous work. The mess is where God can do the greatest miracle. And so here, Nehemiah, he opens up to the king. He shares his feelings. God moves in the heart of the king and basically empowers Nehemiah to lead what would be the third and final group of exiles back to the the city of Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. So one principle I take from this story is this. First, just find your courage to dream. Find your courage to dream and for some of us to dream again. You know, when we're kids, it's easy to dream, right? I saw some of these kids wrote down uh, some of their statements about the future and their dreams. Check this out. It says, what are three things you want to do in the future? This kid says, get a girlfriend. Number two, kiss her. (laughs) This is a big leap to number three, right? (laughs) Rule the world. (laughs) For most... Most kids, it's that simple. Most guys, it's that simple still, right? Just get a girlfriend, kiss a ruler. All right, my one wish is for it to rain tacos. <laughs> How many of you understand this person? Yes. The mess, the cleanup may be terrible, but, but, but all the food would be great. All right, here's one more, I love this. It uh, asks the question, when I grow up, I'd like to be, and Toby at the top, you know, a veterinarian, Sophie, a baseball player, goes all the way down. But I like Albert at the bottom, a person who stays home and does nothing. <laughs> how many of you are raising an Albert right now? <laughs> you know. Yes, how many of you wanna be Albert? Yeah, I'm, that's, that's me. When you're kids, it's easy to dream. When you get older, life starts to beat the dreams out of us, and so I want to challenge you to just have the courage to dream again. I understand when you start going after a dream, um, you know, life gets in the way, and sometimes we realize, like, I'm never gonna be talented enough to be a pro athlete, or I don't have the musical ability to be a world-class musician, right, or I'm not gifted to be the greatest writer that ever wrote, but here's what I would tell you. (laughs) Hang with me. Here's what I tell you. You are the best in the world at what God is calling you to do. You are the best in the world at what God is calling you to do. And so don't stop dreaming. If God has put something on your heart, how do you know if God's put something on your heart? One lesson we see from Nehemiah is the king notices. He's sad, he's distraught. Sometimes the discontent in our heart is a clue to our dreams. Sometimes the discontent, what bothers you, what stirs you, what you can't shake, You know, not everybody in Babylon, even not all of the Jewish people, cared that much about the wall in Jerusalem. But Nehemiah, this was his burden. He couldn't shake it. Sometimes our discontent is a clue to our dream that God has put in our heart and in our life. And here's what I could promise you. If you will have the courage to start dreaming again, a couple of things are guaranteed. And these are lessons I learned from our home renovation project. Lesson number one, you go after that dream, it will cost you more and it will take longer than you think in the beginning. It'll just cost you more. Every house project you've ever done, right? Come on, it costs you more and it takes longer than you think when you go into it. And the danger is, if you're uh, a younger person, you go into it and it costs more than you thought, and just like me, I'm sitting on the couch in our living room and I'm ready to quit and I'm ready to give up because I didn't think it would take this much, right? That's, so the danger when you're younger can be, I wanna quit. The danger when you're older is you realize it's gonna cost more, you already know it's gonna take more out of you, and so you don't even start, come on. You just say, ah oh, man, that's, that's for the young people right? Danger on both sides. Another thing is if you go after your dream, if you have the courage to dream again, you got to expect the unexpected. Just expect the unexpected. In some ways, if it can go wrong, somewhere along the journey, it probably will. It will get hard. The third thing I can promise you, if you have the courage to dream again, you will want to quit. As somewhere on the, on the journey. You will absolutely lose the will to keep doing what you're going after and what you're doing. And how you respond in that moment is critical. We're gonna talk about that in just a minute. And the fourth thing I would say is, look, starting well is important, but finishing well is even more important. You gotta finish. And so, I don't know if your dream is to see your family rebuilt and restored, or if your dream is for your kids and their heart and their lives, maybe you have a, a, a dream of health and restoring health in your life, or a dream of taking on a hobby. It could be what we call a little D dream or a big D dream, right? Whatever your dream, have the courage to dream again because if you stop trying, you'll start dying. So start going, just even a little step towards your dream. Open your heart to that, and you may be surprised at what God can do. Second thought for you today is this double down in the dip. Double down in the dip. Now, you know, when you, when you, you know what doubling down is, right? Like you go all in, right? And sometimes we gotta double down in the dip. Nehemiah, he's got a dream. He wants to rebuild the walls. So he takes this group of Israelites to the city of Jerusalem, and now they're gonna rebuild the walls of the city, start to restore it. And why is that so important? Because if the city can rebuild its walls, it can get stronger on the inside. The whole power dynamic can change. Safety and security can be there for people to rebuild their homes. And, you know, like all the dominoes start to fall. So he goes in and what he finds is the people around the city of Jerusalem, the enemies that live in cities around Jerusalem don't want to see the wall rebuilt. They don't wanna see Jerusalem restored. So the first thing Nehemiah finds when he goes back to do this great work is he finds resistance and he finds obstacles. He finds obstacles in all of these enemies coming around. They actually lay an assassination plot to kill him and take him out. I mean, it's nasty up in here. And so there's all these threats from without, and then there's threats from within the city of Jerusalem. The Israelites start fighting amongst one another, rebuilding the wall takes a lot of money, and the poorer people feel like they're having to carry an undue part of the burden that the rich don't have to carry at the same level, right? And, and so everybody's kind of going after everybody. All this turmoil, all this strife is happening. If you go after a dream in your life this year, here's what I can promise you. You also will face Obstacles and difficulties from the outside and from the inside. You'll face people that'll push against your dream um, in the culture, people that'll say it'll never work, people that'll say you can never do it. You'll also face some of that stuff in your own family. Come on, people that you love that are close to you who really don't, they're not for you getting better. They're not for you trying to find a better future. They're not for you moving forward. You're gonna face obstacles around and you're gonna face what Seth Godin calls the dip. And so uh, he wrote this little book that I love called The Dip, and I've, uh, I've got it sort of captured here. Um, this, this side right here, it says, you can't really read it, but it says results, and this says effort. And the whole idea is when you go after a dream or really anything in your life, we wanna see results. And we really want this line of results to just go straight, just like this, all the way up, right? We put the effort in, we see more and more and more and more and more and more, and more results. We call that up and to the right. And that's what we wanna see. But that's never how it works. You go after a dream, you go after pretty much anything in your life, you're gonna face a dip. Maybe things start out well and you're working hard, and initially you can often see some results, sometimes really positive results, right? But the challenge comes somewhere along the way, you're gonna continue to exert effort, more and more effort, and all of a sudden the results will drop off and they no longer, you know, there's no longer a correlation between your effort and the results. And so your work, you know, marriage can be like this come on, somebody. You get married, it's like, woo! we're married, we did it, blah, 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 and then it's like, kid one, (laughs) You know, all the research shows that marital satisfaction drops once kids enter the picture, And, and that dip lasts a long time, and over time, it's like, when you track it, it's like, and they're, they, you know, they, they become um, young people and then they become teenagers and then they go into high school and then it's like the kids are gone. I saw one study that showed this across the board and once the kids were gone, it was like, we're back and we are back. <laughs> I love my children and I know you love your children. But sometimes the dip is real. You start a business or a company, and initially things are going well. It's awesome. And they're working out, hello. I mean, right now, the gyms are packed. Everybody's on their kick. You can't even get on a treadmill or whatever. Like, oh, but, but don't worry. The dip is coming. <laughs> right? And all of a sudden, they're like, man, you go on a diet. You notice this? You go on a diet. It's like, wah wow, boom, I lost five pounds. I'm awesome. You know, and then like the next time, I I lost 10 pounds, I'm awesome. And then like, you you keep eating the same thing, but you're like, wait a minute. I think I'm gaining weight. Wait, what's happening? It's the dip. (laughs) And and this is where a lot of people quit. This is where a lot of marriages throw in the towel. This is where a lot of people leave the gym, (laughs) quit the diet. A lot of people who have invested a lot in a business throw in the towel. How you and I handle the dip has everything to do with how we will experience success in our life. The dip doesn't mean that nothing should change. We may need to change our strategy. We may need to change and adjust kind of how we approach things. (laughs) We may need to get some counseling, right? But the dip shouldn't be the cause for us throwing in the towel. We just gotta realize the dip is part of the process. See, a lot of times you're going after a dream. You go after a dream, we tend to overestimate the short-term gains. And we tend to underestimate the long-term gains if we'll be faithful to it over time. So whatever your dream is, when you face the dip, you gotta double down in the dip. Nehemiah, he goes, they start building a wall. First week, everything's rocking. And then people, oh, they just try to kill them. Little thing. (laughs) Enemies are coming, gathering around. So here's what Nehemiah does. Check it out. Nehemiah 4.14. He says, then as I looked over the situation, he says, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is what? Great and glorious. Turn to the person next to you and say, God is Great. God is great. When you're in the dip, when you're down here, when everything looks like it's going against you, you got to come back to the one who's called you to begin with. Listen, the conflict you're trying to resolve might be great, but your God is greater. The rift between you and that person that you love might be great, but your God is greater. The financial hole in your life might be great, but your God is greater. The resistance and the discrimination that you face at work might be great, but your God is greater the desire to escape into drugs and alcohol might be great but your God is greater the sins you've committed in your life might be great but your God is greater the sins that are committed against you might be great but your God is greater your health issues may be great but your God is greater the distance between where you are now and where you want to be in your career or your marriage or your parenting or your finances might be great but your Your God is greater. And in the dip, you got to remind yourself, My God is greater. My God is greater. And that's what Nehemiah does. And then it says that they all went back to work. They didn't give up in the dip. They said, We're going to go back to work. But they had to work a little different. This time, people rebuilding the walls had a sword in one hand and they laid bricks with the other. Now come on, that's the dip. But that's somebody who's not finished. And so here they were, a sword in one hand to fight off the enemies that might be coming at any given moment, right? But they hadn't given up on the dream God had put in their heart, and they keep laying bricks, one brick after another, one brick after another. Hand me another brick. I'm not finished. And when you're in the dip, sometimes that's what you gotta hang on to. You don't know how it's gonna happen. You don't know how you're gonna get out of this financial situation. You started kinda getting control of your finances. It went great for a period. You got debt paid down. You started making progress. Boom, then there's a setback. Boom, then a, your hours get cut. Boom, then you know Murphy's Law. If it can go wrong, it will. Something breaks down. And now it's like you, you're, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're not sure you can go forward. You gotta keep the sword, which the Bible says our sword is the word of God. You gotta keep God's word in your heart and just sometimes you just gotta go back to like, well, just give me a brick. I don't know how I'm gonna get the wall built, but I'm gonna do what's right in my life financially today. I'm gonna live according to my spending plan today. Just give me another brick. Maybe you're overwhelmed in school. You're not sure how you're gonna get forward. Maybe you had dreams of medical school or moving forward into a graduate program, but you know, right now you did so, uh, it was so frustrating last semester, you're not even sure how you're gonna handle this semester. And sometimes you just gotta bring it down to say, Look, I can't control the future. I can just do the best I can today. I'm gonna focus on my class right now. I'm gonna open up my book. I'm gonna open up this online portal. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna write. Just give me another brick. I don't know what's coming tomorrow. I'm in the dip, but just give me another brick. One brick at a time. One brick at a time. Just don't stop dreaming. Because once you stop trying, you start dying. One brick at a time, one brick at a time, and God can show up in that powerfully. And I want to challenge some of you to think about a specific brick, if you will, in your life, and that's a seminar that we have starting in just a couple of weeks around here at Central called First Step. And First Step is a place where thousands of people have just been recharged spiritually to connect with God and to allow God to grow their hearts and lives. It's where uh, they've learned more about how to study the Bible, about how to pray, how to kind of grow on their own spiritually. It's where they've gotten lots of tools and resources. It's where they've had a lot of fun and met some awesome people, and it's coming up right around the corner. And I think for some of us, it might be one of the most important sort of bricks that we lay in our foundation this time in our lives, because it's gonna help you grow spiritually. And that is the most important thing that can then lead to everything else God wants to do in your heart and in your life. So I want you to consider jumping into First Step. Uh, You can grab cards in the seat backs in front of you. You can sign up there. Uh, Pastor Nick's always putting his cell number up on the screen so you can text him. He'll sign you up. You can go out to any one of our volunteers out in the lobby, let them know you wanna do First Step. We'd love to get you signed up and uh, help you take Take that step coming up in your life. We you know, Nehemiah eventually finished the wall. It took 52 days to get it done. Finished it with, at some point with a sword in one hand, laying brick with the other. But they got it done. And when, he did, when they did finish, he says that the enemies of the surrounding nations heard about it and they were frightened and humiliated because it meant Jerusalem was on the rise. It meant that God had not abandoned his people in their moment of need. And it was the beginning of a very powerful future for those people. He says the surrounding nations realized that they had done this work with the help of their God. Keep dreaming and keep doing the work. Double down in the dip. Find the courage to keep believing and do it with the help of your God. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never crossed the line of faith in your life. I'd love to give you an opportunity just to reach out to God and ask him to move and work in your life and to become a follower of Jesus. So I wanna ask all of you, would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're ready to take that step in your life, you can begin that journey by repeating a simple prayer after me. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. And Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just to say before God and to say to me, you're gonna follow him in your life today. Slip your hand in the air. Just make eye contact with me. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's trust him today. Thank you. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for each person just reaching out to you today, and I pray you'll show up in their life, fill them with your goodness, your mercy, and your joy. We thank you for all that you have done, and we trust you for all that you will do. In Christ's name we pray, amen.